when it comes to hiring Bitcoiners specifically, we've had everyone that I have interviewed and hired since 20, oh man, I guess 2021. So for the last two years, they have all been, they have all come in. They know about crypto, maybe not the advanced stuff. Yeah. Um, but what, you, what, what I started to do was just regular training on crypto. What is it? How does it work? What are the different kinds? What was the original, you know, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. So now my entire office can tell you at least quite a bit about more than what most people could, which okay. I find would be interesting. And in, in, in doing that, it's also created this air of, well, maybe I should be responsible for this stuff. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe the banks aren't built for me. You know, maybe I should get my money and then issue out payments instead of having it taken before it comes to me. Mm. Those are those are just some of the things that I think kind of just get implemented as a natural process of working with with such a diehard Bitcoin dude. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is you don't like you don't have to exclusively be a Bitcoiner and to get a job with you. However, once you're in the door, you're going to get some onboarding training. Yeah, it's coming. And, and the, the knowledge and information that you'll get is completely undeniable. You, it's, it's not debatable, mm -hmm. which is the best part about this whole thing. So to hire someone who's ecstatic about cryptocurrency, I think is, is just even Bitcoin is just is that's a huge plus. Welcome to the Bitcoin Talent Co. podcast, where we interview entry level to C-level executives about working in the Bitcoin industry. Learn about their interview process, what they do day to day at their Bitcoin job, and advice for current job seekers looking to work full time in Bitcoin. Hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin Talent Co. podcast. I'm your host, Eric Podwatsky, and today I'm joined by my friend Kyle Patel, who is the CEO of Bitlux. Thanks for joining me, Kyle. Of course, Eric. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so we'll definitely talk about Bitlux and exactly what you guys are offering and how it relates to Bitcoin um, a little further in the episode here. But before getting to that, I'm curious, what were you doing professionally before you got into the aviation space overall? Uh, I had always started companies. I've, I've always been kind of a big thinker. So from the time that I was a child, I had uh, my first business was actually making money, like quite literally. I would try to like cut dimes in half and try to make more dimes, you know. <laughs> um, but it progressed as I, as I went on, you know, and as a you know, fully self-candidly, of course, through high school, you know, like I kind of sold some pot here or there. I did the whole festival scene for several years. Me and my wife, we met back then, um, been together for a very long time, but that's kind of what I did for like three or four years. And then I came to realize like, okay, cool. So I've learned, I've essentially put myself through business school. I learned how to deal with people. I don't like a product that I don't like environments that I don't like, and I'm pretty good at this. So then I was like, okay, well, how do I change this into something that I do like? Um, and at the time, um, I was really into, I was really into fitness. So I started a personal training company and then I branched off of that, did nutrition and I did a clothing company for a little while too. That was half nonprofit, half clothing design. That was a lot of fun. So I just got to dabble with a lot of things and learned a lot on along, along the way. And mm -hmm. my, uh, my dad was a pilot this whole time. He still is. He's retiring this year. Congratulations, dad, you know, freaking earned it. And I, I knew the lifestyle. I knew, I knew how demanding the industry was and I just kind of launched into it. And when I did, I, I really like took hold and grew my career and ultimately decided that, that BitLux was the solution that the industry needed. 
yeah so i guess so more of an entrepreneurial type of life um did you what did you study in school exactly if you did go to university uh yeah no i dropped out in 10th grade nice yeah i, lo <laughs> I love these stories and then you know what's funny too it's always like the people selling pot in high school um if they have a little bit of motivation with them they usually turn into entrepreneurs yeah a lot of them do because you know it's this this ideology of like maybe the rules don't work and if they don't how should it work and then it's it's very important to make sure that you're what you're doing morally aligns with what you know with who you are i think that was one of my big contrasts especially in my late teen years is that yeah some of the things that you know some of the parties or whatever it was that i was just like you know something doesn't feel right this this isn't for me mm -hmm. so but uh yeah yeah that's got that's it all. and what what exactly have you done in the aviation career in your career so far and what, and what exactly is your role right now so my role is president and CEO right now where I can tell you where we're at and then how we got there okay, um, or how I got here. Um, right now, Bitlux is in a very exciting point of view or very exciting scape. We have a huge runway in front of us, tons of room, great momentum, and we've already caught a pretty good amount of lift. So in terms of revenue, I mean, we're well, well into eight figures annually. Uh, this year, the crypto side hasn't been as active as I as it has been in the past. Mm. I don't want to say what I want, right? Because it doesn't really matter as what I would like to see in terms of crypto activity or financial transfers, exchanges for services. That's totally up to the market. I don't think that my opinion has any bearing on that. Mm. Nor should it. And in saying that, we have the next the growth trajectory should be pretty awesome in the next. I don't know, four years, five years, and this is not correlated to the price of Bitcoin, but activity certainly does happen in correlation with Bitcoin, not necessarily yeah. because, but it is no. certainly correlated. So I started the company back in 2018 officially is when I quit my job and I decided there was a there's rather famous Bitcoiner, um, a Bitcoin cash guy. He had this issue where he needed to fly. He was, all of his US bank accounts were frozen. He was being targeted by the government. It, in my opinion, it was extremely unfair, unethical and immoral for what the government would, was doing. And I thought to myself, like, this guy's got to go places. And I, he had asked me if I could provide a solution to accomplish missions using an alternative form of payment. And I was like, well, I just did this for my, you know, for lunch money, you know, maybe six months, a year ago. Mm -hmm. So I came up with this way of how we, we would be able to accept payment, not be in an overly risky situation with our overhead expenses. And we just kind of made it happen. So that along with several other things, including again, coming back to the ethics that I mentioned earlier, a lot of, there's a lot of bad stigma for particular companies in aviation. So I thought out to be of like, if, if you can't trust anyone in aviation, it's gotta be me. You know, if I don't even care if I'm going to ruin your day with bad news, at least we're not going to lie to you. We're yeah. not going to lie to you. We're not going to cheat. We're not going to steal. Yeah. And so that coupled with this ethical foundation is, is what got the start of the company it is today. Okay. Yeah. I think it'd be helpful for the audience too, to understand like what exactly is the company? What are you providing? So what we do is we do international charter and logistics. So it started as just a regular jet charter brokerage. Basically you call, we find available aircraft and 
you know, we can put you on a plane. It has since transformed mostly in part due to the international ability of Bitcoin, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure a large, a large portion of this goes to being able to accept large instant global transfers. And a lot of the people who do that, they have, they not have to, they want to do some very wild stuff. So our business has transitioned into going from just a regular charter brokerage to an international logistics company. Mm. So that's kind of how we, we have our, our specialty specialized niches, heavy cabin international trips. So we're the communication between aircraft and foreign countries. Okay. Even for countries that don't communicate with each other, mm-hmm. that can be extremely interesting. I mean, we we have flown to every continent except for Antarctica. We have done just the wildest countries. You know, um, I, I I could think of a million off the top of my head places that most people have never heard of, like Faroe Islands, over to the Greenlands or Nairobi to Maldives, and these are all on massive planes, like mm. planes you only see in magazines. Even regular aviators only see in magazines. So it's been. Yeah. It's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I I find it very interesting because now all these early Bitcoin adopters now have some capital mm-hmm. to spare, and no better way to spend it on on a vacation, take a chartered flight somewhere, providing a solution. Huh? Yeah, there's well, there's two sides to that. What I have figured out being in this position is that people spend what they earn. Hmm. If they earn crypto, that's what they use. If they earn dollars, that's also what they use. Yeah. For the few who earn both, they can use whichever currency benefits their situation the best. Mm-hmm. So, and it's about a 70-30 split, split on necessity. 30% of our charters are done on strictly leisure basis, mm-hmm. vacations or whatever the case may be. The other 70% are they have, they have meetings, they have things that they need to go to. We have... Uh, I mean, obviously I can't share with you who our clients are, but I'm sure everyone knows who a lot of these people are. Yeah. And it's really interesting to see where they go and then look on social media and see what the story is there. You know, the narrative could be completely different. Sure. So it's been, it's been, it is an awesome ride to see. Yeah. Yeah. What, what percent of your clients right now would consider themselves Bitcoiners or on a Bitcoin standard per se? Well, those are two so totally different questions. The the ones who are on Bitcoin standard, we probably have maybe 10%. Maybe okay. That's still pretty large. Yeah. And well, we, we market, we market directly to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of it is we pound that in. And mm. then the other portion of it is how many people do pay in crypto or will go between the two. Mm. The majority of it is in stable coin or Bitcoin. Hmm. And I would say that number is closer to about 30%. Okay. So out of the, I I don't know exactly how many accounts we have out of, I would, I would say about 450. uh, We probably got about a hundred and about 150 who, who pay in crypto. Yeah. That's, that's a decent amount. I'd say definitely considerable. I'm yeah. curious how are you how are you accepting Bitcoin as payment other crypto? Do you, are you running your own infrastructure or using like a third party? Yeah, no, we have our own infrastructure. Oh, so okay. one thing that we don't do, we are not a bank. We are not a payment processing company. Hmm. We do have a partner company in a foreign country that runs by a little bit of a different rule than American businesses do. Right. 
So that helps protect the privacy of our clients. And I will certainly say that <clears throat> I find it very strange. I'm, I'm, I'm 32 years old and hearing that come out of my own mouth makes me makes there's some like abrasion there of, okay, well, why do you want privacy? Why is it that important? And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, everyone should be entitled to some basic level of privacy and anonymity, especially when you're floating through the world or through the sky. That's not that's not anyone's business, nor should it be anyone's business. Just like your, you know, bedroom life, just like your finance life, mm -hmm. any other area of your life, your travel should be no different. So, um, you know, we do have proprietary protections in place to ensure that people's privacy is respected, that there are no legal ramifications for that. Mm -hmm. And um, as far as the backend infrastructure goes, we do have partnerships with banks here that do the on-ramp, off-ramp. Okay. And whether we whether we exchange it or not is totally variable. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that has to do with market conditions, what our upcoming expenses are. We do hold as much as we can. I will certainly say that. I, that's my follow-up question for you. Like, how do you think about holding Bitcoin on your balance sheet? Because it is hard during volatile times. Mm -hmm. It is. And I will say that Bitcoin saved BitLux twice. Wow. Two, two times. I I don't know what I would have. Well, I, I actually do know. I would have. I would, we wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. um, in this was in 20. Oh, man. What year was it? 20, 2018. We didn't do any sales in October, November, or December. None. But I happened to just, what I did was at early on, I said, okay, 10% of everything that I make has got to go into crypto. Like it's just mm -hmm. got to go into Bitcoin. So, and that's the only thing I was buying was Bitcoin. And I felt very insecure when we went from 6,000 to 3,000. I wanted to jump off of a cliff because I mm -hmm. thought maybe this was the end. And if this was the end, it was a great run. I can go back to, you know, managing someone else's company. And, mm -hmm. and at that time, I was like, screw it. Let's just keep buying it. You know, so we were buying it really low. And when the, that period where we didn't have any sales, I was down to, it was like $4 in my checking account. Oh boy. You know, I had, this was, this was like four or five days before my bills were due. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, I had the Bitcoin. You know? Yeah. This is, this is incredible. So, and then, um, there were three times actually there, there were three times that, that Bitcoin has had done some cool stuff. So the second time was a very eerie, similar situation. That was, that was also in Q it was at the end of Q3 2019. And it was, it was the identical, it was an identical situation. Granted, we did not have to sell anywhere near as much Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, so that was good. And then in 2021, I sold a couple Bitcoins, of course, to buy a Lamborghini. Well, <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, one Lambo. Hey guys, real quick. As a Bitcoin-focused recruiting firm, our goal at Bitcoin Talent Co. is to bring as many professionals into the Bitcoin industry as possible. Since we don't run ads, our one ask is to rate, review, and share this podcast with friends and family so more people can find this show. Thanks, and now back to the interview. Um, so right now, how are you thinking about how you allocate, like, what buckets do you have in terms of like how much cash do you have in the business compared to how much Bitcoin you have on your balance sheet? Do you have like a certain percentage you like to hold? Uh, if we don't do it necessarily off of a percentage base. So what we do is, is I think that it's very wise to go again, coming to that high school mentality of like something isn't right. 
Mm -hmm. I don't think something is right. And the big thing that American businesses are convinced to do and pressured to do is leverage, leverage, leverage. We saw this with FTX of like, it's, it's this traditional American way of let's just leverage everything with, it's not even hopes. That guy, he was convinced, he knew that that was going to work out, period. You're not telling him anything different. Mm -hmm. And it's a disease that runs rampant in the young entrepreneur and our financial markets too. There's absolutely no product that should be able to erode a business from the inside out. Mm -hmm. The fact that there is, is incredible. So our balance sheet reflects, we will always maintain a very safe level of cash in the event of some catastrophic thing, World War III, it doesn't matter what happens. Mm -hmm. Bitlux employees will be okay, at least for a while. And Bitlux has enough money to where we can exfil our entire office if we need to. <laughs> That's, you know, if shit hits the fan, we've got it there available in fiat. It's the same for Bitcoin. And that's obviously my preferred way, I assume, in, in dire situations of hyperinflation or, you know, depegging of the global reserve currency that we have, we've mm -hmm. got that as well. So to answer your question, I can't give you a percentage base, but I will say the only thing that has worked out over the several years that I've been doing this is regular DCA. 100%. Yep. That's a yep. win, win, win all the way around. So, um, and again, it kind of depends on what kind of what kind of expenses we have coming up. You know, we've got a lot of marketing expenses coming up, you know, now. And especially when prices are going up, I try not to hold on to a ton of it. And one of my big, big things that I realized the last bull run is that if people are paying us a lot in cryptocurrency, well, it's probably not a good idea to hold on to it. At the top. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't know that until, you know, before. I mean, I lost, I lost, I I utter the number I the last that our uh, office had said was a little over two million dollars out of in just holdings that we held. You know, we were we were getting Solana at whatever the peak price was, a ton of it. And I was yeah. like, all right, great, let's just watch this fall down ninety nine point nine. Right. And then you're your service for free. Not what I thought was gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um so, you know, air, air with caution. Tell me more about the company itself. How many people do you have working uh, with Bitlux? Right now we have uh, one, two, we've got three people in the office. We have one open position for an operations department. We just got rid of one position this week that we're splitting into two. Okay. We realize that it's probably a little bit better if we segment some of the roles, uh, the roles, the run role that we did have was definitely a job for two people. And it was, you know, so. yeah got to be the point of overbearing stress. So uh, we made a little bit of changes to that this week. Um, by the end of the year, we should be back up to six people here in the office. And then of course, working remote, we have, oh man, another eight, I think. So maybe 14 total. Okay, awesome. And you mentioned that operations role that you do have open or plan to be open soon. Tell me right. more about that for listeners. Yeah, so the operations role that we're looking for is someone who can they'll assist with all of the scheduling of the flights, um, scheduling paperwork, you know, making sure that immigration stuff is done, making sure that the best way to predicate what we do is that if you were a screenwriter, you want to make sure that all the characters are in the right position before the curtain opens. So the operations role is the person who's behind the curtain, making sure that everything is where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And we press the go button and watch the whole thing unfold. 
Got it. So pretty cool. You know, it's like setting up a tower of dominoes every, mm -hmm. every freaking day. It's like the best, most satisfying thing just to flick it. And then even if you don't see the plane fly out of the airport that we're based at, you can still see it on the screen, especially on like long trips, like a really long trip. You'll be able to go to sleep, wake up. Now the plane's just in a totally different part of the world. So it's, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Pretty cool thing to see. Cool. And is, is that listed on your website? The opportunity? Yeah. The operation. No, okay. It is on Indeed, though. Okay, cool. So maybe we include a link for that in, in the show notes. Um, what about what else for your about your team? Are they all Bitcoiners, or how do you think about hiring Bitcoiners? So I have had it. I have had a weird tactic with orange pilling people, orange pilling and red pilling. You know, I, yeah. I have an utter disdain for most government and authority. So, in saying that, uh, with all due respect to the law, right? I think that I think there is that I have one hundred percent respect for law in itself, but what is happening now, I don't think is, you know, again, crossing that ethical and moral boundary. It's mm. ridiculous. Um, and when people come in, obviously my interview process is a very, very unique process. I ask some very strange questions just to see where they lay, you know, especially with interviewers. If I ask a question that I find to be rhetorical or, or funny, like it should be, this should be a lighthearted place. You know, we, we do a very serious job for very serious people, and it means a lot to them, along with the global economy. Mm -hmm. Some of the people that we move, they're the most, literally some of the most important people in the world. Yeah. And um, we have to make sure that that goes right. But we like to have a great attitude going about it. And when it comes to hiring Bitcoiners specifically, we've had everyone that I have interviewed and hired since 20... Oh man, I guess 2021. So for the last two years, they have all been, they have all come in. They know about crypto, maybe not the advanced stuff. Yeah. Um, but what you, what, what I started to do was just regular training on crypto. What is it? How does it work? What are the different kinds? What was the original, you know, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. So now my entire office can tell you at least quite a bit about it, more than what most people could, which okay. I find would be interesting. And in, in, in doing that, it's also created this air of, well, maybe I should be responsible for this stuff. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe the banks aren't built for me. You know, maybe I should get my money and then issue out payments instead of having it taken before it comes to me. Mm -hmm. Those are those are just some of the things that I think kind of just get implemented as a natural process of working with with such a diehard Bitcoin dude. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is you don't like you don't have to exclusively be a Bitcoiner and to get a job with you. However, once you're in the door, you're going to get some onboarding training. It's yeah, it's coming. And, and the, the knowledge and information that you'll get is completely undeniable. You, it's, it's not debatable. Mm -hmm. which is the best part about this whole thing. So to hire someone who's ecstatic about cryptocurrency, I think is, is just even Bitcoin is just is. That's a huge plus. Yeah. What, what kind of questions are you asking during interviews to like suss this out? The biggest one is that I can I can gauge an interview for me is a discussion. It's not so much a answer this, 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 this is the right answer, this is not the right answer. Yeah. During an interview, what I try to look for is I try to look for someone that I can align with on a moral aspect, ethical aspect, and a personality aspect. Because the things that we do, we do have to work together as a team, and it certainly helps when teammates work together. Who have a value system that is aligned. Mm. 
So some of the questions that I ask are, do you know what cryptocurrency is? If they do know what cryptocurrency is, of course I ask them about the favorites. It's gonna be a big red flag to me if you tell me Doge to the moon. I'm not mm -hmm. sure it's gonna work, you know, <laughs> because and that and I'm I'm dead serious when I say that. And the reason why is because I know that the only interest that is there is solely based on a fiat game. That is concerning to me. So in saying that, when the most I've never had someone say that. But in the event that they did, I would have that would be a red flag. Yeah, that might that might be a clip right there. I love it. <laughs> um, how do you think about crypto compared to Bitcoin overall and the differences and similarities between the two? I think that I think Bitcoin is a wonderful store of value. And I do think that Bitcoin is look, it's, it's OG. It doesn't matter what way you navigate this. That is what people hear about. That is the name that attaches to the entire sphere. Mm. Bitcoin encompasses all. Mm. That is the crypto, period. Mm. Everything else after that is a functional transfer of value with improvements made on the ideological concepts of Bitcoin, if that makes sense. Meaning Bitcoin is not made for institutions. Institutions should not use Bitcoin. It is unbankable for a reason. If a bank tries to use it, you end up like FTX. You end up like Signature. You end up like... There, the list is endless. Every day it grows and it makes me so happy to see this. And it's not in the, I don't like seeing people's demise, but what I do like seeing is stupidity kick them in the face. Yeah. It was not meant for you. It's meant for me. It's meant you for can't you. can't play uh, games with, with Bitcoin, especially yeah. like thinking about FTX, how big that is. I think that might just be child's play compared to one of these institutions blowing up. Wait till a country does it. <laughs> I can only imagine. Oh boy, that's not going to be good. It's coming. So I think it'll be very interesting the way that that's done. There are many clones, but just like everything else, clones very rarely get to maintain the foothold. Just mm -hmm. because, especially you've got the you've got huge financial influence that's into this too. You've got major financial backers, just like let's say even BlackRock. I I'm not. I'm, I'm a little on the fence about that whole thing. Mm. But now you've got trillions of dollars who want to push an agenda on a particular digital asset. I mean, the influence that is on Bitcoin is we're not going to get rid of it. Yeah. It's not going to be replaced. And with crypto, I think that there are some very cool projects out there that 100% serve their purpose. Again, I'm huge on privacy. Mm -hmm. Pirate Chain, Monero, those things, those are essential pieces of a financial structure that Bitcoin can incorporate. But unfortunately, due to the technology advances on several areas, the second that a wallet gets identified to you, the next 100 wallets will also be linked to you. Right. It's going to be a matter of time before worldly courts start prosecuting people based off of transactions that were never in their control, but were linked to them. Wait, anyone can send you, like, let's just say a bad actor can, once they know your wallet and have an they address, they can send you money. And then the government links it to that. You working with that bad actor, even though you had no relationship. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So that's the only downfall that I see in terms of, in terms of auditability and privacy. Um, things that could be improved ultimately as a store of value and a base layer 
just like gold was a reserve currency it's the same it's the same kind of ideology that i think can serve its purpose and to answer your question again i think i think that cryptos will and do play a very important role i go to i go to central america and south america quite a bit i mean they don't use bitcoin there it's it mostly it's mostly stable coins and the reason being is because a normal person we're if the infrastructure doesn't change to be if the infrastructure doesn't change to be on a bitcoin standard then normal people meaning the taxi driver who doesn't care about bitcoin they don't care they want to get paid period Mm -hmm. they need to put food on the table the more steps that are involved in that process the less likely they are to do it mm. so in saying that stable coins being transferred through cash app or something that can be immediately resolved to a debit card or some easy form of on and off ramp there's absolutely a need for that there's absolutely a desire for that and it makes me very very hesitant to suggest that bitcoin should be the one that does that Mm-hmm. only because I'm a firm believer of not your keys, not your crypto. We've seen, we've seen it. We've seen it happen too many times. And Bitcoin is the one, the only one. If it's gone, you are probably not going to get it back. Mm-hmm. Are you paying attention to like layer two, layer three solutions coming out, like protocols such as like the tapered assets that allow for uh, stable coins to be sent over the Lightning Network or other similar protocols? Are you following that at all? I I'm really not well versed in that. Okay. Yeah, that's the idea. It's essentially, the way I think about crypto compared to Bitcoin is crypto is kind of like testnet coming up with the, the ways that can eventually these solutions can be used on the Bitcoin blockchain. So once they're kind of tested and proved out on this a specific crypto blockchain, let's bring it over to Bitcoin, either put it on Lightning, Tappered Assets, whatever it may be. Um, but I think that's, in my mind, that's where things are going. Because as you said, like in, in Central America, people are actually using stable coins. They're not really using Bitcoin. But what if you can connect the two together so they can maybe store their value in Bitcoin? But if they want to use day to day stable coins, they can. But it's all over the same protocol, all in the same wallet. Yeah, that would be that would be a very interesting thing to see. My only concern, I mean, I'm I'm very unfamiliar with Lightning as well, at least mm-hmm. on how it works. I have never done a Lightning transaction. I have heard about it. Oh man, been about it. Hey, um, after this call, we're gonna we're gonna take two minutes. We're gonna do our first one. Yes. Yeah. Let's do it. I'll. Yeah. Heck yeah. Two seconds. You'll be, you'll be amazed how fast it is. Yeah. And so from what form? I mean, we'll have to talk about it. But I, I'm pretty sure I understand the concept, and I would be very interested to see how that works. As long as, again, what it's going to come down to is interconnectivity and efficiency. Mm-hmm. You know. So if they're not using a payment processor that is on board with that, again, it comes down to the infrastructure. Right. And unfortunately, right. you can't control that. I can't control that. But what I certainly do know is that the value of Bitcoin, not in relation to fiat, in relation to real value of itself is only going to increase. I agree 100%. Let's take it back. I, I never asked this in the beginning. Tell me your, your full Bitcoin story. My full Bitcoin Well, <clears throat> tried to buy drugs online. <clears throat> But I, uh, <laughs> I got one. Road? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. This was, yep. this was back in 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. So many people have that similar story. It's so funny. I've met a lot of them. I have met a lot of them. I went to Anarchapoco a couple of years ago, and it was so funny because I met some people that, like, I'm sure I almost hit the buy button on. But I didn't because I, w- I couldn't wrap my head around how to do this properly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel safe. That was my biggest thing is that I... I just didn't feel safe doing it. Right. 
Um, so I kind of ditched that idea. And then later, this was, this must have been in 2014. Was it 2014? Oh no, it was before, it was even before the, it was even before the Silk Road. One of my buddies had brought it up to me. This is when Bitcoin was, you know, hundred dollars, 150 bucks. Yeah. And he was swearing up and down. He could see it. I, I couldn't at the time. I was too busy doing whatever 18 year olds do at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so later I was managing a private jet company out of Fort Lauderdale and I had bought lunch for one of my colleagues. He only had Ethereum. I didn't know what this was at the time. And he goes, listen, I don't have any cash. Can I just send you, can I send you some ETH? And I was like, what the, <laughs> number one, yes. Cause I don't really care about the money. I just. And that's when transacting ETH, it wasn't like an arm and a leg to pay for a transaction. No, no, it was like 12 cents. It was, yeah. it was nothing. And his lunch was like $18. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it was a couple of ETH. <laughs> it was like, it was like a thing. So it was really cool to see that I, I downloaded this app. I can't even remember what app it was. And he goes, listen, I'm just going to transfer this over to you. So. I, he did the whole scanning the QR thing and immediately just showed up. I was like, well, that's strange. Mm. That was really weird. I didn't have to connect a bank. I didn't have to log in. I didn't have to do, I did nothing. It was a mm. simple, here you go. It's done. So that kind of got my brain thinking of, okay, well, what else is on this wallet? What is this whole Ethereum thing? And it really just kind of had me uh, going from there. And then simultaneously, I had a friend who was very interested in Bitcoin in early 2017. And I was making pretty good money at the time. And he had asked me if I wanted to pitch in with him on a mining rig. So that's, you know, that's what we did early, early 2017 is that we just put a couple thousand bucks together, built this freaking cage, which <laughs> just stuck a bunch of GPUs in there. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how it all started, at least in, in it, what has blossomed into what it is today. Right. What, what was the moment? that you realized that you wanted to combine uh, Bitcoin crypto with this, this business. Was it that story of meeting that early on Bitcoin cash person that, that needed it? No, no, it was, it, it was shortly after that. I knew that he wasn't the only person in the world, but I would, I really had this idea of, I, I, I kind of had some abrasion to where he was politically in terms of the guys at war with the United States government. I, you know, I certainly don't want to be flying a whole target demographic of people who are, you know, <laughs> it's not, like, not, yeah. my, not my thing. So, but I did start thinking to myself, okay, well, this guy's fairly straightforward. Ideologies align, right? He's a, on a global basis. This cannot be the only person out there. And then I started to look at the core values of what his were that were readily available through interviews online. And then I started to look at the core values of what I thought a private aviation company should be mm -hmm. and realized that there was just no embodiment of a, of a real freaking company that was out there for the fiduciary benefit of people. That's it. That's the way that Bitcoin is too. That it, it's fiduciary responsibility lies in the person who uses it and who has yep. it. That's it. It's responsibilities don't care about someone else. Yeah. And that's what, then, then it, it ticked. And I remember I was, this was in, this must've been in November, 2017, November, December, 2017. 
I was at the gym and it hit me like a ton of bricks, man. I I could not, I couldn't even finish my workout. I was just like, this is it, you know, this is it. And I tried to like sleep it off. I tried for a couple days and I woke up one morning. I said, you know what? If I die, I will regret this 100%. I am, there's no way I should feel the way that I do spiritually, emotionally, and logically. Mm-hmm. To pass this up there's mm-hmm. no freaking way so that's how that's how that came about it was, it was yeah a, it you was touched awful. upon this too i man as a as a like a regular flyer uh retail flyer i absolutely hate putting in all, all my information just to buy a plane ticket to enter your, your birthday your full name sometimes your social security number and your credit card number everything just to get on a plane and then when you get to the airport too i mean they're rubbing you down and Again. yeah yeah <laughs> checking all your information it's definitely not ideal and i hope more services like yours pops up so um don't have to fly yeah. retail my whole life but um well yeah. before before you start flying private with us you do have to know if you are flying internationally we do have to send your passport you do have to go mm-hmm. through okay i cannot smuggle you anywhere okay but you know certainly domestically it's a very 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 different experience mm-hmm. way different it is you, if you're flying out of the United States, I mean, you can pull your car right up to the airplane. You pull your car up to the airplane, you get out, you get on, you fly out. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in between. It's just you, crew, airplane. And right. You know, it's it's as freeing as it can possibly be without owning your own plane and flying it yourself. Yep. How are you reaching um, crypto, Bitcoin type of clients nowadays? Welcome to the bane of my career at the moment. Yeah. Coming on podcasts like this, I guess. <laughs> well, no, I don't. I, you know, actually, I, I don't. I don't. I hope that I don't. If we gain customers from it, fantastic. But what I, what I really want is just amazing people who have similar core values. Yeah. So, you know, if coming on a podcast helps me do that, then absolutely. Yeah. Now, in saying that gaining customers is very, very difficult. We have had because it's we've done the math. It's it's about 0.1% of the population that actually will get on a private plane. Hmm. The rest of them, even the top 1% in terms of wealth. Now that's some, that's, those are some big numbers. Hmm. They look up in the sky. They ha- they don't think about private aviation. When was the last time that, you know, before we started talking, when you looked up and you're like, Oh, that's a Gulfstream. I wonder who's <laughs> on that one. Yeah. Never, never. It's just an airplane. Yeah. Just into the airplane. Yeah. Um, a surprising number of flights are actually private flights of, 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 of the majority of them. And oh, wow. saying that, yeah, it's a huge number. Hmm. It's gigantic. And in saying that targeting those particular people is very difficult. And a lot of times they come to us, not because it's their first time flying, but because someone else messed up. That's, hmm. that's the, that's, that's kind of just the way that it goes. Not everyone who flies privately is lucky enough to fly with us their first time. And I hope that that changes one day. I hope that people get a great experience from the beginning of their flying career to the end of their flying career. But mm-hmm. most of the time we sit in this improvement area where poor ethics, judgment, or operational control from another company. Like we've had people call us. They just get, you wouldn't believe it. They'll spend a hundred thousand dollars to go fly somewhere and then just get left at the airport. Like, <laughs> There's nothing there. There's no rental car. No one's there to pick them up. They have no clue what's going on. Like, yeah, we're spending that kind of money. Come on, dude. Yeah. So, in that we get we get a lot of business that way. 
through people okay. actively searching. When crypto goes up, we do get a lot more leads. We don't do any outbound stuff, especially in my business. I'm very, very keen on. I'm I'm not I'm not raising a kennel of dogs. I'm not going to throw a bone out there and say go get it. Mm -hmm. We have built this specifically to where people come to us. We attract yeah. them through organic marketing. We do programmatic advertising, like the creepy stuff. You know, like if I mentioned tampons, it's going to show up on your timeline now. So you yeah, be careful. Like yeah. Yes, right. So. We do that a little bit and but most of it's organic the last we've only started doing paid advertising this year oh wow okay. it has been 100 organic yeah and as you're looking to hire more bitcoiners to bring on your team what would be your pitch to them right now if they're listening and they want to come work for you why, why should they come work for you don't work for a company who doesn't care about you don't work for a company that doesn't value the same things you do as an individual mm-hmm be a part of a team and be a part of a positive change on a global level. Mm -hmm. And in saying that, it's very possible to spread ideology through action and more likely to have a positive outcome by leading the example of your value system as opposed to preaching it and mm. screaming it. And you see this on you see this type of crap on CNN all the time. They they'll they'll scream, hoot, holler, and shout. But what's that doing? It's just a whole bunch of noise. Mm -hmm. Nothing ever changes. People don't do anything about it. You know, and we're here providing the best service in the industry to some of the most amazing people in the world using the best of available means, period. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, that's something that a lot of people can get behind. And a lot, a lot don't get me wrong. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't want to get behind it because it's a, it's also a big ask. It's a cool mission, but it's also a big ask. So, you know, I understand that 99% of people won't, won't align with that. Which is yeah. Funny. And I guess related to what's a piece of advice you give to someone listening right now that, that want to join the aviation and Bitcoin space soon. Absolutely do it. I can certainly say that aviation is probably one of the most rewarding career fields, especially for particularly young men, mm -hmm. um, women given natural tendencies to spend a lot of time at home with kids, which is where they're most needed in my personal and professional opinion. Um, I think that, you know, men have a lot more to, to, to sacrifice and aviation does require sacrifice, but the rewards you get from it are, are absolutely incredible. Yeah. You know, we have a national, it's not even national, it's a global pilot shortage. I don't know if you remember, you remember it was, it was last year, there was just tons of cancellations. Like you, all you saw. I do remember, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't even that it was a COVID thing. It wasn't, it was just a ton of cancellations. So what that was, was it was actually a shift because so many pilots are retiring right now. And the way that the airlines had their schedules done was they would schedule, they'll schedule things out on three-year contracts, three, five-year contracts. So what happened is that their schedules are so jam-packed tight and they're so short on pilots that if one pilot gets sick, it's mm -hmm. affecting about 15 trips in mm -hmm. the next 48 hours. Right. So you can kind of get these things tugged together. And then what if there's an airplane that has a mechanical problem? We I watched it happen in Puerto Rico. This was the last time that I saw a major cancellation was that there was a mechanical problem in Puerto Rico. The crew for, it was a Spirit Airlines flight. When they flew to Miami, they didn't have enough duty time in the day to finish their following trip. 
So the next three days of flights just got wrecked Mm -hmm. and there was nothing they could do about it. So in saying that aviation is an industry where we are desperate for good pilots and mechanics. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge, huge field. It's extremely rewarding. You get to travel, you get paid a very good amount of money and you get to see and do things that have been seems to be a little bit forgotten, you know, because being a pilot back in the 70s, 80s and 90s, that was an idolized thing. Yeah. You know, I remember we could walk to the grocery store, me and my dad, and he'd be in his uniform and like all the kids would be like, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. That's a good point. I think uh, there is definitely a shortage of pilots and it'd be really cool to not only be a pilot, but you also get to uh, work with other Bitcoiners and help other Bitcoiners fly as clients yeah. too. So tying those two worlds together, that does seem pretty appealing, not going to lie. I'd like to see a flight school except Bitcoin. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. I'd be signed up right away, not going to lie. If you can get them to do it, tell them you got one customer. <laughs> well, cool, Kyle. Um, great to meet you, man. I learned a ton today about BitLux, what you guys are doing. Um, looking forward to seeing your, your future success here. Where can the audience get in touch with you and learn more about BitLux? Um, for press, it's just press at fly, F-L-Y, bitlux.com. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of information available on our website, and you can certainly reach out to me on Twitter. I do not have a whole ton of followers on Twitter. As I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, I, I really gave up on social media. Yeah, you said that in the beginning. Yeah. Some time ago. But What's I, your Twitter handle? It's bitlux Kyle, B-I-T-L-U-X Kyle. Cool. And, uh, no, I decided to give it another go, you know, just let's. Let's get out there. Let's see. Let's see what other Bitcoiners are doing and have a discussion. I want yeah. to. I'd say, in terms of finding talent for your team, that's probably the best place to be. Yeah. If you're making some noise on Twitter, um, just posting content regularly, you're going to find some really great people online. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we. Yeah, that's where I was. I was playing Call of Duty with our last employee. That's how I found him. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best. Yeah. You want to work with people you get along with. That's right. So. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time, Kyle. Um, hope to check in a year or so from now and see how things are going. And best of luck till then. Awesome. Fantastic. Thanks again, Eric. And I look forward to it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And I really hope you found value in this podcast. If you are a job seeker looking to work for a Bitcoin company or you're a part of a Bitcoin company and need help with finding talent for your team, please head over our website at www.bitcointalent.co and get in touch with our team. Thanks, until next time.